Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Squad Room. I'm your host, Garrett Aslam, I'm an active duty patrol sergeant in Southern California. Thanks for listening. I love that theme song. I know you're probably sick of hearing it after 41 episodes, um, but uh, if you know me personally, you know that my favorite band in the world is U2, and that intro reminds me of U2 in a lot of ways, and it's just cool. It kind of gets me excited, and probably now for me, it's like a Pavlov's dog thing. Uh, where it's kicking in every time I hear that, I know that um, I'm going to start talking soon. And I love to talk because obviously I have a podcast with a microphone and everything else in front of me. And uh, it's not a blog, uh, although um, I like to write as well. But anyway, today's guest, uh, awesome, awesome guest. Man, I'm so excited for this one because I just got off the phone with him and we had a great conversation. And it's like, uh, you, you know, a couple things you realize when you do something like this is you realize how... Um, even though, like my office, my guest today is Officer Aaron Loman, New York Police Department, NYPD, and you know, obviously, he's on the other side of the coast for me because, as I just said, I'm a I'm a sergeant in Southern California, exact opposite sides of the coast. But because we have the same job, because we have some of the same struggles with our health and fitness, we uh, immediately connected and related, and it was like we were just sitting around having a uh, a club soda with lime. I'm not gonna say beer because we're trying to get fit. A club soda with lime. And uh, just chatting it up. And, uh, you know, I, I go um, kind of goo goo, goo goo, gaga, goo goo gaga. I kind of get all starry eyed about anything about uh, New York City because I used to live there. I lived there in uh, parts of 97 and 98, and then in, uh, in full time in 99, 2000. I left uh, just about a year before 9 11. And uh, I love that city. I love the NYPD. I love the East Coast. I was telling Aaron that, you know, even though I'm here in uh, in Southern California now, and I love it now after 15 years, uh, I, was a, I was a New Yorker born in the wrong state. And when I moved there from Colorado, I had no expectations of ever leaving New York City. Uh, also, to add, though, I never had any expectations of being a cop because I had no interest in that stuff when uh, when I lived there. But I love New York City, and I remember just being around the NYPD beat cops and, and being amazed at, um, everything about them just from the, from, if you've ever been to New York, look at a, like just a, your regular beat cop and the gear they have to carry with them every day. Um, I mean, there are some, some, some of those guys are kitted up in full SWAT kit for their entire shift. If they're depending on their assignment, other guys, your standard beat cop are, are, they've got all sorts of gear that they have to carry with them because they have to walk everywhere. And then walking and standing in that stuff is just uh, is just amazing. And there's some great books about NYPD. My favorite is, uh, I think it's called Blue Blood by William Conlon, um, who uh, went to Harvard and then decided to become an NYPD beat cop in, I think, the Bronx. It's a great look into the NYPD. It's a little old now because I think it was written in the late 90s, but it's a great book, uh, and you can check that out. Anyway. My guest today, Aaron Lohman, NYPD, known uh, on Instagram and into the interwebs as Huge Fat Loser. And when I first heard that uh, tag, I thought, hmm, I wonder what this is about because it sounds pretty uh, depressing. But uh, in context, you understand that Aaron is a, a, a big guy, 6'4", almost, and at the, 6'4", and at the start of this, 400-plus uh, pounds. And he's on a mission to lose all that weight and to help inspire other cops and other people to do the same thing, and he's doing that. So he started this Instagram account and a blog to document his progress. And he got tagged in something with me, and I'll explain that later in the show, how we came to connect, but it was a great conversation. Before we get in the show, I want to encourage you to sign up for our mailing list. You can do that by either going to thesquadroom.net 
and signing up right there on our homepage. Or if you're mobile right now and you are so inclined, you can text the squad room, all one word, to 44222. And you get signed up right from your phone. I don't track your phone number or anything like that. It just connects you up. What will happen is you text the squad room to 44222 right from your palm of your hand. You'll get a prompt back to enter your email address. You enter email address and boom, you're on the mailing list. It really uh, is good. And I got some exciting stuff coming up. And I know I've been saying that, but I mean it now uh, where I have um, some some extra content that's going to be given just to the mailing list. There's going to be some giveaways. Uh, I'm staring at some of the giveaways right now in my professional recording studio, a.k.a. garage. And uh, some other good stuff is going to come to that list soon. So without further ado, though, I want to get into this interview with Aaron so you guys can learn about his story as the huge fat loser. Officer Aaron Lohman, New York Police Department. Thanks for being on the squad room today, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? I uh, It's great. I'm good. Thank you. Um, I learned about you not that long ago through some sort of Instagram algorithm where we ended up either tag I forget, either tagged on the same kind of, uh, of post or someone tagged you and I started digging. And anyway, I came up with your, uh, your Instagram account and was blown away. And then I traveled that back to your blog and started reading through your blog. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get this guy on because he is like – He's the guy. He's the guy on the other side of the coast doing the exact same thing I'm trying to do. Thank you. Uh, and uh, and not only that, you're in my favorite city in the entire world. So I'm on one coast, you're on the other. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy and, and find out what's going on because you've got quite a story. Thank you. Uh, and uh, it's it seems like over the last uh, six months to a year that this has really become something for you. So I wanted to get into it because I think it's going to be highly uh, inspirational, motivational. For anybody listening, and I think that a lot of people are going to relate to the two things that we're going to be able to talk about, and I think that we are going to be able to relate uh, to each other on a lot of stuff, too. So the reason I got into your Instagram is that uh, it was your handle, was your Instagram (laughs) handle, right? Right. Huge fat loser. (laughs) Explain to me, first off, and explain to everybody else what uh, that Instagram handle means. It's funny, when I first... You know, me and my wife first discussed me doing this because when I actually started, I had already lost 40 pounds. And I was like, you know, I'm doing this really well. She's like, you know, you should start a social media thing. And I started it and I called it Huge Fat Loser. And she was like, that's so offensive. People are not going to follow you based on that. And I'm like, yeah, but I made myself this way. Like I made myself overweight and now I have to lose the weight and I kind of have to like embrace the fact that I've gained this weight and now I need to lose it. You know, not only that, it's a very, I think personally, I think it's pretty catchy. Like people see it, like you said yourself, you saw it and you like, you know, it intrigued you. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way. Yeah. I, I, I took it, uh, well, I think the initial inclination is to take it as such a negative uh, right. thing, right? Like I'm a I'm a huge fat loser, but there's a comma in there which you can't use on Instagram. A huge fat loser, uh, you know, huge fat, whatever. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like the show, The Biggest Loser. Like it sounds yeah, offensive, yeah. but the point is, is that you're losing, losing a lot of fat. You're losing yeah. a lot of fat. So let's get some stats from you real quick. How tall are you? I'm six foot four. And how old are you? I am 33 years old. 33. And so what what was the top weight that you topped out at? 403 pounds. 403 pounds. And how long, like, do you think it took you to get there? And maybe clarify the question, but from when you would consider yourself fit to that, to that stage. Okay. Um, when I, before I went to the police academy, that was in 2006, 
I was overweight. I was 360 pounds. I lost 110 pounds, and I was down to 250 when I went to the academy. Then I went to the academy, and police work got in the way, and I gained all the weight back. And then, you know, throughout the years, I've lost weight, like, you know, like 30 pounds here, put it back on and whatever. So, but then, like, finally, like, the last four years, I really honestly wasn't doing it any type of exercise or eating right or any like anything i was making my fitness just the least priority of my life and then finally come last november like the end of november beginning of december i was like you know this is just this is just out of control at this point i need really really need to do something about this and i you know i gained a ridiculous amount of weight was there a specific event or um, moment when you realized that you needed to, to grasp control of this? I talked about on one of my first episodes, my kind of rock bottom where I realized this was when I was being interviewed on TV. And then I watched the interview back that night and thought, holy cow, who's this guy with three chins? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, who's this bloated, tired-looking guy? That was that was kind of my uh, mind. What, did you have something like that? Um. I've had like several things happen to me over like the last couple of years where I was like, I should, I talk about one in my blog where when I was part of the gang unit, I, we were doing a search warrant on a fifth floor walk up and I was on the back of the stack and we had to walk up four flights. And by the time I got up there, I was pretty much dying and I should have known then that I should have been on a diet, but nope. Instead, I, uh, went out afterwards and had pizza and ice cream and high five the team for a job well done, you know, and, and I still didn't, you know, get the hint. It wasn't until, um, like I said, like around November where I started having like, like little dreams where I was in a life and death confrontation, like a physical confrontation, not like a gun battle or anything. And like I lost and I got thrown off of the roof of a building that I decided that, you know what, this is it. Wow, that that should be enough, enough yeah. motivation. Um, what do you current? Uh, what what have you done in the in the police department? Uh, you mentioned the academy in uh, 06, You said um, uh, from the academy, I went to uh, the hundred and third precinct where I did uh, my rookie training, which was at the time they called Impact. Then from there, I went to the hundred and thirteenth precinct, which is uh, South Jamaica where I worked for about eight years, and then I worked in the uh, the gang division for about a year and a half. I worked up in Harlem, and I also worked in Southeast Queens, the same neighborhoods, and then I uh, now I'm currently the uh, assistant field intelligence officer in the 108th precinct in Long Island City. All right, so back to kind of that motivation of changing and, and, and realizing you needed something. What I mean, what was the motivation that finally got you? Was it was it that dream of losing the fight? Uh, it it was partially that, and um, my wife, believe it or not, she asked. Okay, it wasn't like one of the situations where somebody buys their wife an exercise bicycle for their birthday, and then it's like the worst situation ever. <laughs> she legitimately asked for one, and I got it for her. And then, not too much later, a guy that I worked with, his name's Alex. He's like. He does the five borough bike tour in New York City every year, and he's like, "Hey, who wants to do it?" And you know what? In my head, I I, I don't know what I had a moment, and I was like, "You know what? I'll do it. I have an exercise bike at home. I could I could get in shape real quick, you know." So then I went out, and uh, I not only did I use the exercise bike, I bought a bicycle, 
and I started training for the five row bike tour. And that's how like my fitness actually began. Like I didn't start lifting weights or anything maybe until like maybe January or February of this year. And did you kind of just approach everything like piece by piece? So we start with the bike ride and then, um, you know, did you, has, do you now, or when did you decide, or do you have a concentrated plan for diet or for your weightlifting versus cardio? How did you come from being couch ridden, like you say, to, to now this, you know, very motivated, you've lost a lot of weight and, and now you're inspiring others. What's that process been like? Um, at first I was like, okay, I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to ride the indoor bicycle like three times a week. And I did that for a month and it was still cold when I was doing it. So as soon as it started to warm up a little bit, I was like, I'm going to go out and buy a bicycle. So I did some research actually to find like a bicycle that would fit me because I'm six foot four. At that point I was over 350 pounds. So I found a bicycle, a nice one. And, uh, I began, Actually, I would ride my bike to the Long Island Railroad where I get on the train, ride it to, uh, it was like, you know, six miles from where I work. And then I would get, you know, back on my bicycle and I would ride my bicycle from the train to where the precinct was. And I would do that back home too. And then at the same time, I was concentrating on tracking my calories, which I use uh, the Under Armour app. And uh, it's honestly, it's the. It's so great. Like you have to track your calories in order to stay in shape. That's the my fitness pal, right? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, in terms of diet, do you have uh, you just count calories in, calories out, or do you do paleo or keto no, or? Most of, mostly, I do calories in, calories out. However, since I started lifting weights, I concentrate on like obviously like putting more of those calories based on protein in my body and like amino acids and stuff like that. And what about your weightlifting program? Is that just something you you do on your own, something you learned growing up, or do you have a coach? And a, a- it's funny. Uh, back in the day, like uh, when I used to work out during the summers, like in between college, I would just do the Arnold workout because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And believe it or not, I would just like get injured or whatever because I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to be doing that. I didn't have a trainer, so this time I started slow. I eventually built up to doing more exercises and more weight, and now I'm I pretty much just designed my own program based on other programs I saw people doing on the internet, like Fit Cops and like other stuff like that. And um, now I'm doing. I, I mean, I think it's a pretty good workout. I mean, I've had people work out with me in the gym at work, and they've you know had to call out the sick the next day. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it was good. You know, it's good. So. Uh... Give us again, a, just to get a scope of your your stats, where you started at, even before you started the blogging, but where you were at your top and where you are right now. Okay, I was at 403 at my top, and now I'm at 319, so it's a total of 84 pounds I'm down. And in how long of a period? Um, nine months. Wow. And what's your goal weight? Do you have one? I, you know what I did at first? I said to myself, I want to be 6'4", 225, but... That's a hundred pounds down from now, and I honestly have, would have no idea what that would look like. But <laughs> I'd love to be six two two twenty five. Yeah, I, I know. You know, I I was looking up pictures of what people look like six four two twenty five, and I'm like, no, I'm never gonna look like that. So uh, I'm not gonna say that I'm not. I'm gonna give up ever. But my goal is to get in as good a shape as I possibly can with a low, like I mean, like low body fat, and just 
look good, feel good, and definitely be like maybe like in the in let's just say in like the two fifty you know, two thirty range. Like, hopefully, like let's let's say that. Yeah, well, that seems reasonable. Uh, yeah. Have you always been quote unquote big? Uh, did you know? Did you play sports growing up that required uh, a I, big body? Or how? I played I played basketball growing up, and believe it or not, I actually played soccer. I don't know. <laughs> I've actually played soccer in high school. It's a true story. And uh, I was always kind of big, and people thought that like my team hired like a bruiser to just like <laughs> yeah but uh i've always been kind of big i've been this this tall since i was in eighth grade wow okay. yeah and uh you know i i didn't really I, I started working out in high school mainly because i played basketball and, and i was six four and i couldn't jump i was though seriously i would jump and you would think that i didn't move at all so i eventually <laughs> tried to go in the gym and i was actually working out legs every single day and it didn't help. I still couldn't jump, but you know. Uh, then what? You mentioned college. What happened uh, in college? Did you continue with sports or intramurals, or did you kind of put the basketball shoes aside? I put the basketball shoes aside. I mean, I pl- I played every once, like you know, like with friends every once in a while, or like you know, like I would hit, I would hit the gym every once in a while, but nothing consistent. And what if you don't mind asking too? I mean, mind me, me asking. Um, like what? What was growing up like in in your household? And the reason I ask is because I'm trying to tease out or trying to find if there are commonalities between people in the way that they've succeeded in being fit in relation to what their parents taught them versus people who have done it on their own. You know what I mean? You know, this is very interesting because in my house, I, I was actually going to do a blog post on this rec- uh, soon about how like it's called the genetics of eating, and it's like, uh, or the, you know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. because. Like my mother's overweight, my my father he's not overweight, but he's definitely not in shape. And uh, you know, my family's been a family that's definitely struggled with weight loss. And I think that when people like to say, "Oh, it's genetics" or whatever, I think a lot of it comes from like the way that your parents teach you to eat, like what they teach you to eat, what they teach you is healthy. Because like I look back on stuff now that I'm like. Oh my god! Like I would go to my grandmother's house for the weekend with my mom. You know, say my mom would drop me and my brother there, and my grandmother would just like feed us cake for eight hours straight, and like it was a normal thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until like I, I became an adult that I realized you really weren't supposed to eat that stuff, you know. Uh, and then it became a struggle because you really are addicted to the things that are in that, those foods that you have to, you know, now break that addiction and break that cycle. What was that experience like of breaking that addiction? It's still hard. Like um, sometimes, like what I do mentally and physically, I mean, it has its physical benefits, as, but definitely a lot of mental benefits is I'll have a cheat day or like not really a cheat day, but a cheat meal once a week or once every 10 days where I'll go and I'll eat like a, a, big, a big place over here is like All-American hamburgers or something. I'll eat a hamburger with fries or, you know, get some ice cream and stuff like that. This way, like, it doesn't feel like I'm treading water, you know? Like, yeah, I'm going to gain calories that second. But it in mental terms, it's it, it's really good for me. Like, I'm like, all right, great. I had that. Now I can continue on, do another week. No big deal. Right. I found cheat meals myself to be very helpful and just kind of giving you a little bit of a – like letting the pressure out a little bit, so to speak, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, as you began this journey and you started, what's been the most difficult obstacle to overcome? 
I think it's just what I said before is the uh, the food addiction and like realizing what calories are, are in what things mm-hmm. and trying to um, put the right things in your body, especially in the job that we have. A lot of cops like to eat like garbage. And like if you want to go out and like especially if you're part of a team, you want to go out or whatever – they want to go out and eat pizza every day. They want to go out and do this every day. And I think the hardest thing is like being in front in front of those temptations, like being in front of the pizza counter with all those delicious slices of pizza and being like, you know what? No, I'm going to see what they have that I can eat that's healthy and that is in my range. Like that's been the most difficult. Especially in New York. Oh, yeah. One of the things I miss most about living in New York City are just the pizzerias on every corner, and they're up, they're all amazing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so, yeah, people don't understand. And I don't know. They say it's the water. I don't Whatever it is, but New yeah. York pizza is its well, own Well, I mean, thing. California, you can't get better Mexican food. Any, I mean, except maybe Mexico, but it's just – Yeah. The last time I was out there, I was down there for uh, Jonathan de Guzman's funeral when I was in San Diego, and um, – I ate Mexican food for three days. Like it was just, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. San Diego is a good place. We missed each other in San Diego by like a week too. That was, mm-hmm. um, you know, is there an obstacle that you didn't expect uh, that has shown itself to be difficult? Something that you didn't didn't think of when you started this? Um, an obstacle that I didn't expect was like just trying to get around like family life a little bit. Like, because, you know, I have my family. I'm a full-time cop. She's a full-time working nurse supervisor. So we both have, like, serious jobs. And then we each have a daughter. And well, you know, one daughter. But, you know, it's our daughter. And then uh, trying to budget time to work out and eat right and stuff like that. But how we overcame it is my wife also, she's... Uh, eating almost not the same things that I eat, but she's also trying to uh, lose weight and diet and do the right thing and exercise. So we motivate each other in that regard. How do you, that's been one of my biggest struggles is finding the time and scheduling. Do you, how do you um, have that conversation or how do you guys decide how to break that up? Cause my wife works too. You know, she's got a full-time job. Uh, I have two kids uh, and you know, with my job, we rotate shifts every four months, so everything's always changing. I'm gone at nights, so then I'm gone during the day, and, and getting time for us both to prioritize that's been that's been my biggest challenge. How do, how have you succeeded with that? One of the biggest godsends that I've had since I work where I work now is that there's a gym in the garage of my precinct, which I don't know if you if you see my Instagram, I tag it as Bennett's Body Shop. Yeah. This guy, this guy Bennett, is the guy who pretty much put it together. So, and it's in a garage, so they call it the Bennett's Body Shop. And uh, on my meal, I go down there, and that's when I do my workout. So I'm able to work out, you know, all, like you know, pretty much instead of like going on my meal, I go, I go work out. And then um, my wife, like we, she works nights, I work midday, so like we overlap. But a big thing with cooking, like we overlap for like three hours, right? But we always seem to manage to have dinner together because she works at 11 o'clock at night. She'll throw something in the slow cooker while she sleeps. And then by the time she gets up and the time I come home, it's ready to go. We get to have a dinner together as a family. It's a healthy dinner. And uh, when it comes to the kid, uh, thank God for her. Pa- her parents take it like, you know, take our daughter maybe like once a week uh, for a couple hours when our schedules don't line up. 
But other than that, I'll exercise in the house and play dolls with her at the same time. Uh, it's, you know, I'll, I'll be riding the cardio bike inside and I'll have one hand extended pretending to be um, Princess Cinderella. You know, it's just <laughs> you have to do what you have to do. I'm impressed that you're able to stay with it. And, and uh, I have I have a hard time splitting my focus like that or, or, you know, finding little ways to get it in when I'm at the house and even. I have no excuses because I mean you can see behind me in our audience camp, but I've talked about it before. But I have a squat rack and a little home gym right here. Even I know that's so, nice. Yeah, so it's my little body shop. But uh, even then, it's uh, it sits more idle more often than it should. Um, well, you know, we talked about what are the most op- the obstacles, but is there anything that's been easier than you expected? Something you thought would be hard, but actually turned out to be a little bit easier. Getting back into lifting weights was a lot easier than I thought it would be, except for like the first week where you're just like completely sore and you just don't want to do it. I've had a very easy time getting back into it. And I think the main reason is because I took it slow this time. Instead of trying to do too much at once, I took it slow. I eased into it. And now I I built up to the point where I like I work out pretty hard every day. Nice. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I laugh at that because I'm just thinking about last week for me, I got, I worked out once and I made up a workout that ended up just, it was a leg workout or it was basically, uh-huh. well, actually it was basically, it was, uh, it was a 40 pound single arm dumbbell snatches, mm-hmm. 10, 10 each arm. And then an off, uh, offside, uh, farmer's carry for 30 yards and did that right. for 10 minutes. Right. Not that big a deal, but smoked me so bad that my, quads were so sore for six days that i couldn't i couldn't work out uh i could i guess but i, I just couldn't that, yeah bring myself sometimes work. like the first time i did legs well i honestly had a hard time walking for i want to stay close to two weeks and i still did legs anyway the next week to ease into it but yeah it was it was rough so so your your instagram uh and for people i said it, it's uh at huge underscore fat underscore loser uh, you do a lot of uh, like motivational and inspirational posts, and I think that you are definitely becoming someone who people look to for those, uh, for, you know, for that motivation. But what, uh, you know, where do you get motivation? What motivates you? Okay, what motivates me? Um, seeing other people's before and after pictures is super motivating. I mean. I posted a before and after picture on my page and I said like without pictures like these that I saw before I would have never thought it was possible and I really feel that way I mean one of the best like you had her on KP at Fit Cops I mean Fit Cops is like amazing I, I following them like I mean especially being from being a cop trying to get in shape having a family like it all like comes in there uh the believe it or not the rock the rock is very motivational in like a lot of things that he says. Yeah. And, um, other places I find motivation is other people trying to do what I'm doing. I mean, it could be just, it doesn't have to be somebody famous. It could be anybody, somebody that's just trying to do what I'm doing, trying to get their life together, trying to get on track. Like when I see that on social media, I, I love it. It motivates me to try even harder, you know? It's like when I went to uh, Jonathan de Guzman's funeral, right? I have no, I had no idea who that guy was. Okay, I went there because he was a gang cop. I was a gang cop, you know. And uh, I just, I loved, I love California. I went there to pay my respects. And when I heard the mess of the type of person that he was, 
it like immediately inspired me to be a better person, a better dad, a better cop. You know, like I love stuff like that. Very nice. And you now have not only the Instagram, but the blog. What, um, having gone through a little bit of that process myself, deciding to, you know, spill all of my stuff onto the internet with, uh, in iTunes with a podcast, but what was the process of you deciding that you wanted to share this journey with other people? I did it all relatively at the same time. And it was really like my wife who was pushing me. She's like, listen, you've done so done so well. I think it would be good. I think people should hear your message. And I agreed with her. So I just started an Instagram page. I started a, a blog and I just went from there. And what's been the response uh, and reception of those two platforms for you? From random people who read it or come across my Instagram, I mean, I've had very positive things. I've, thank God, have never, haven't had any negative things said so far. I mean, I know that comes with the territory from people, but thank God, nothing so far. Guys I work with, I mean, whether they want to say it or not, they've definitely been inspired by things that I've done. I see people working out. People talk about working out all the time. And like, while they would never come up to me and be like, yo, dude, you've inspired me. I mean, I can definitely tell that like what I'm doing or what, but it's good. And I mean, the blog, they ribbed me a little bit. They're like, oh yeah, look at this guy. He's got a blog and an Instagram page, but whatever. I don't really care. I know. I know the jokes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, who do you think you are? Kim Kardashian? You know, it's like, (laughs) I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Having lived in New York for a while, I can only imagine too the New York, the New York mindset yeah. of that too. It's got to be yeah. worse than you know out one here. One guy, one guy says to me all the time, "Hey, look, it's Cop Kardashian." <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to know too. Have you implemented anything um, in your program that's other than just diet and exercise? Uh, we talk on this show a lot about like meditation. I do a lot of journaling. I try to use stretching or yoga even sometimes anything like that um mainly just the blogging is good and also i when i do my workouts i actually track them in my phone like i'll be like okay i did this today so i can keep track of how much i'm lifting how much i'm doing stuff like that but other than that i don't do any meditation or yoga or anything like that i think if i did yoga there's a lot of people out there that would really kill me for it (laughs) But um, no, I nothing else besides that. Uh, so you're into this now nine months. You've yo-yoed yes. in the past, up and down, struggled with it. Uh, do you have what are the less some of the lessons you've drawn out of this process so far? Okay. Um, when I first lost weight to go into the academy, I lost 110 pounds. The way I did it. Was cra- I totally crash dieted. I was now I was still six four. I was three hundred and sixty pounds. I was eating twelve hundred calories a day, and just doing nothing but cardio, not lifting, just cardio, whatever. Then as soon as I got out of the academy, I ballooned right back up, and I knew why because my metabolism was shot. I t- totally did it the wrong way, and I've tried every diet, every fad diet under the sun. And it never lasts. The only thing to me personally, this is just me personally, that lasts is calories in versus calories out. Uh, eat less than you exercise, you know, and take it slow. 
I've tr- you know what I'm saying? Like you, if you try to do too much and you concentrate too much on the scale and trying to drop weight quickly, it's not gonna. It's just not gonna work. It's yeah. Those are yeah. I think that's pretty standard and a good place for anyone to start from is just start focusing on what what's going in. Yeah. Then, no, absolutely. Uh, have you tried any of those other things during those other fad diets? What have you tried that was not successful? I tried low carb, like zero carb diet. And, uh, it wasn't sustainable to me because it might, it might work for some people. Like I said, this is not for like, I'm not telling anybody what to do, but it's, it didn't work for me because if like, if I ate something like that wasn't on the diet oh, and I lost a lot of energy uh, my energy level, because I was working out and doing like zero, pretty much like zero carbs, I had zero energy. I couldn't work out. I didn't want to get out of bed. So then that didn't work. And then what else did I do? Um, yeah, like crash dieting doesn't work. I mean, I can go into my my mother had gastric bypass surgery, and that didn't like. I mean, it worked for a time period, but you really don't learn how to eat. So she gained all the weight back. I think that unless you learn that lesson of how to effectively treat your body like it's a machine, and like use the fuel that you put in it um you're just gonna you're gonna have a difficult time and what it's kind of a combination of other different questions but you know we, we talk about those awesome new york pizzerias and when you're standing there looking at you know slice of plane or whatever and you're with the boys and you don't, don't have a lot of options or you're you're wanting that bad and you've you know you're you're arguing with yourself what where do you dig and what do you dig into to um, you know, talk yourself out of that hole of wanting the bad thing. I say to myself, I'm like, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to just go back to the way you were, to the way things were? Think about how good you feel right now. And uh, usually that works. Usually I'll just go some, like, you know, they'll eat whatever, and then I'll just, like, go somewhere else and get something different. Mm-hmm. So what's what's next for you? What's, what's the biggest plan? I know you want to get down to 250-ish. Uh, but you know, the, has the blog and, and the, uh, and the Instagram page opened up other opportunities or things that you're looking at or, you know, where do you, the whole thing, the whole, the whole of, of Aaron, where do you want to take it? The whole thing. I don't know. I'd like to continue the blog and try to inspire as many people as possible. Uh, lose the weight, uh, get in shape, build, obviously, you know, look, look good, feel good. Um, then eventually after I look good and feel good, I want to get like my personal training certificate and be able to take it to a whole nother level, actually start training people and like coaching them on how to diet and what to do. Like, I mean, I try to do that now. It's just like, you know, when you're not like in like sick shape or you're not like a personal trainer, people don't necessarily like listen to what you have to say. They think you're like an idiot. But before I was before I was a cop, I was actually a biochemistry student and I know how all that stuff works. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that's funny. But, uh, other than that, I don't know, it'd be a great cop to keep being a great cop. Keep, keep being a great dad and a great husband, get in shape, live long for my daughter, retire, hopefully move to someplace sunny. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. We'll see where this thing takes me. I'd love to be a fit cops rep one day. That'd be awesome. But, uh, We'll see. <laughs> okay, so hold on a second. How does a guy with a biochemistry major become a cop? Okay. 
Uh, I was a biochemistry major in college. I originally wanted to do research science, and then I was like, you know, maybe I'll do uh, forensic science. And then when I learned that, like, with a degree in forensic science, pretty much you're just going to sit in a lab and be a chemist all day, I'm like, that's kind of boring. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be a cop instead. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that's more like what I want to do. And I took the test, and I never looked back. And uh, I mean, it's had its ups and downs for me, but I've honestly loved every second of it. Do you have family in NYPD or in anywhere anywhere in law enforcement? Um, my two stepbrothers, one of them, they were both New York City cops at first. Now one of them is a Kings Point police officer, and the other one's retired from Nassau County on a three-quarter injury. Okay. So what was... The- <laughs> This, this is a while ago now, but I, I can relate because I had a similar conversation with my parents back in the day, but because I went from something totally different to law enforcement. What was that conversation like with your parents when you went, yeah, this whole biochemistry thing, it's cool, but I want to go be a cop. My dad was a mailman, right? Mm-hmm. And he, for my entire life, was telling me that college is a waste of time, take every civil service test that you you know, and I always fought that in my head. I was like, stop, this, no way, I'm not doing that. And then my mom wanted me to go to school. And when I told her that I was going to be a cop, of course, she's like, oh, my God, my baby. I don't want him to be a cop, you know. But my dad, they were both very supportive of it, and they both they both support me now. But they were definitely like, you know, especially my mom was not supportive at first. Take some time for them to get used to the idea. Yeah. So NYPD is, I mean, when I lived there, I think it was around 42,000, 45,000 uh, cops. That was, of course, well, it was before 9-11, but then it was also before 2008. Where, How many cops does NYPD have right now? They say it's in the thirty two to 37,000 range, but I'm honestly not sure. There's a lot of us. <laughs> that's that's more, than one of the, more than an entire city that we have yeah, in our jurisdiction. It's crazy. It's amazing. And I remember, uh, you know, I think my first – the first inkling of me being interested in move, changing careers to law enforcement was when I was in New York City, and I'd see – particularly the ESU guys, you know, and they would be all kitted up, standing outside some, usually often a bank. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on? That is so cool. <laughs> they got us. For, for people who aren't familiar with, with NYPD, ESU is their emergency services unit. And it's, I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of a, a SWAT team, a search and rescue team, an air unit, a, a water rescue. I mean, they do everything, right? Yeah. And they do all those high level or high risk kind of things. My uh, first partner on patrol, his name's Brian. He's an ESU now. But it's so funny. He's one of those people who used to try to encourage me to get in shape. And he's like a real like into like CrossFit and stuff. And I used to just I used to just make fun of him every day. And now he's the one making fun of me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think so watching those ESU guys, because you would see them around New York all the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and thinking like, man, what's it take to be that guy? And could I could I do that? I don't yeah, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, that process took several years, but eventually and then I was in LA and same sort of thing watching LAPD and like, oh, could I do that? I don't know. So you know, what um what was it about the cop work though that I mean going from, from biochemistry to police work, there obviously must have been some bug in you that this was of interest, but because um, this is not the kind of job you do just to not be behind a desk. No, no. Um I've my dad has uh he was a, a, he's a volunteer fire chief. He was a volunteer fire chief pretty much my whole entire life, 16 years. I used to go out on calls with him sometimes. Um, 
And, you know, my mother, she was an emergency uh, dispatcher for a while, for a long, pretty much my whole life. And I saw that and I wanted to help. I've always wanted to help people. I've always been, even before I was a cop, I've always been the person people turn to for help, you know. And I've won. I want to continue that. You know, I wanted to catch bad guys. I want to put bad guys in jail. I, I love that. Like I love putting bad guys in jail. I put up a Facebook post the other day. I was sitting in a parking lot on my way to work. It was Seven Eleven, and I watched this woman with her two children buy drugs from a car. And I, my post was this: like, people ask me why I do it, and it's because seeing a woman buy drugs with her two children makes me sick. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Well, and that makes a little more sense, too. If, you know, you've been around public service in different ways growing yeah. up, you've seen you've seen the story or you've heard the stories, you've seen the benefits of it and you've seen that service and what it does for people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you uh, NY, I mean, NYPD, you tell me again the the correct term for your current assignment. I'm going to chew. I'm going to uh, chew it up if I get to it. <laughs> I'm the assistant field intelligence officer in the uh, Long in Long Island City in the 108th precinct, mm-hmm. and uh, Long Island is in uh, the Bronx, right? Long Island City's in it's in Queens. It's in, as far or, sorry, as you, Queens, right? It's as far as you can go west in Queens before you hit the river. So, I, I, if you wanted to, if the current was good enough, you could swim to Manhattan. But I don't. I don't suggest anybody does that. <laughs> Some people have tried. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Uh, how has your current level of fitness and this improvement that you're having, how has that had on, um, how has that benefited or impacted your uh, relationship, not only with your partners, but maybe with the public as well? I mean, people definitely look at you differently when you're in shape, you know, I mean, how many, I always see, I always see this one image. It's a, it's a overweight cop with like a young kid and he's laughing at this cop who stops him. And it's like, you know, I understand why the public has that perception of overweight cops. Like I get that. I got that the whole time I was overweight in uniform. And now like when you look better, people definitely respect you more. Like, you know, like they're at least scared that you're to run on you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Aaron, I appreciate your time. I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, you know, documenting it the way you are so openly. Um, I know that it takes a lot of courage to do that and it takes a lot of uh, willingness to be vulnerable, which is not easy as a cop to just put out there <laughs> yeah, no, definitely and, not. <laughs> and throw yourself, uh, you know, I always tell people it's like throwing yourself out of the bus before anyone else can, <laughs> but, yeah, but you know, you, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, I, I'm willing to bet you get a lot of good response from people. You got people on Instagram I see that are tagging you or that are responding to your texts or your posts and saying, that what you're doing is is benefiting them yeah and man i want you, i just hope you keep doing it because uh, i got excited when i saw saw your your instagram account and then your blog uh and just think that and you write so well too and you you express exactly the right issues and i think anyone who is struggling or maybe not struggling anymore but is on that path can relate to those things and they know it's important to know that other people are out there right and yeah, that other people absolutely. are going through it and like I said, like if you have any questions or whatever, anybody, just message me on Instagram and I will get back to you. I do it now. I message people. I give them advice all the time. So where can people find you on Instagram? Give us your blog, all that stuff. Uh, my blog is hugefatloser.com 
And my Instagram is at huge, H-U-G-E, underscore fat, F-A-T, underscore loser, L-O-S-E-R. And if you direct message me on Instagram or if you go to my blog page, my blog page is a whole bunch of ways you can connect me and email me. Awesome. And we'll put all those in the show notes, too, for people who maybe not have that in front of them or the ability to do that right in front of them. You can check the the show notes at thesquadroom.net for this episode with Officer Aaron Lohman. Uh, huge fat loser, and you can uh, go. You, you'll be able to find all those things from there as well. Aaron, thanks for your time. Appreciate you hanging out with me this morning. No, it's, it's an honor to be on this show. Thank oh, you very man, much. Uh, it's an honor to have you. Thank you. All right, huge thanks to Aaron Loman, NYPD, for being on the show and just being uh, willing to lay it all out there. It's not easy to discuss some of these things in public, much less in public when you know a bunch of other cops are listening. <laughs> and uh, we joke about that, of course. To follow him on Instagram, it's at huge underscore fat underscore loser. His uh, blog is hugefatloser.com. You can check us out on Instagram at the squad room and our and also on Twitter. And our website is thesquadroom.net. You can go there uh, for show notes for this episode. And for other information that we talk about, links to books or links to training programs and links to other things that uh, that Aaron and I both have found useful. You can also check us out on Facebook, uh, the Squadroom Podcast. You can search for that and you'll find us there. Now, the one thing I really want to implore everybody to do today, other than uh, you know get into the gym and, and work on your diet, is to leave a review of the Squadroom on iTunes. The way I see it is, uh, yeah, I sometimes have sponsors for the show, but, uh, you know, obviously this stuff is free. I have no no intention of changing that. But what I would ask is that in return, if you get value out of the show, if you find something inspirational, you find something educational, to go hunt down the way that you listen to the show, whatever it is. Most people, it's on iTunes or maybe it's Stitcher. But leave a review and tell other people about it. And, yeah, it's a little narcissistic, but it actually really helps the show. It helps us spread the word of the show. It helps us build credibility so that other people can come to us and start to learn some of the things that I think are important. And I know that other people think it's important, too, because they the numbers for our downloads keep rising, and that's been awesome. And my, my purpose uh, here isn't to, like, break some sort of downloads records because that's not going to happen. But I do want to, if I'm going to do this, I want to, of course, get the information out to people because I think it's valuable. And I know that from the emails I get and the tweets and the Instagram posts and whatever that I get in response that a lot of you think it's uh, important as well. So leave a review on the whatever device or whatever service you use to listen to it. Please leave a review. All right, that's all I have for this week. Please take care of each other and stay safe.